and the praise team, they do a great job, don't they? I really appreciate them. And today there is a guitar practice. Those of you that are going to be playing in the 50 Guitars of Praise, I'm going to be here today. Uh, we need guitar players, I think maybe a few more. 50 acoustical guitars are going to be up on this stage on December 13th. And 50 voice choir or more over here. And we're going to just worship the Lord. Uh, you don't know what it's like to hear 50 guitars hit the same chord at the same time. We're just praying it happens. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. All right, Luke chapter 1 and verse 29. I want to read to you the Christmas story, the miracle of Christmas. And this is Mary being approached by the angel of God. This is part two of a series I'm doing called Have a Merry Christmas. Now, Mary being M-A-R-Y, not M-E-R-R-Y. But I want you to have a Merry Christmas. And what would that be? Well, that would be that Mary was delivered of fear. She had freedom and liberty from fear. God doesn't want you to be fearful, full of fear. He wants you to be fearless, to have less fear, no fear. And so let's look at what she was delivered of. It says in Luke 1.26, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, the virgin's name was Mary. Now, here we come to the miracle of Christmas. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, that should have been a praise the Lord moment, right? But no, she became immediately terrified because she was approached by the supernatural. And last week we talked about that. Now, it says Mary was greatly troubled. That means filled with dread at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, read it with me, everybody, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, every one of you in here today have found favor with God. He has shown his favor in the face and in the person of Jesus Christ. And so I want to pray with you right now. Let's talk today about another fear she was delivered of. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that every person in here who is filled with a fear of inadequacy would be delivered. And that, Lord, you will help us to be adequate in you. And we thank you that you are our adequacy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Can you say with me, don't be afraid. All right, you can be seated. Last time, opening this up. And by the way, there's a lot of empty chairs. And let me tell you why. We left all the chairs in that we brought in for um, Carrie Job. We just left them. So that means you've got to invite some more people because now we've got more chairs in here. I'm just letting you know. I'm just telling you. So... Last time we talked about the first of four fears that Mary had to overcome. We talked about that being the fear of the supernatural. Many people become afraid when God approaches their life. It makes them nervous. They don't know what to do. They don't know what God wants. They're afraid of what God wants. So we talked about that. And if you missed it, I encourage you to get the CD from last week, The Fear of the Supernatural. In the next few weeks, I'm going to deal with three more fears that Mary overcame in that first Christmas when she was approached by the angel and said, you're going to conceive a child by the power of the Holy Ghost overshadowing you. Here they are. Today I'm going to talk about the fear of inadequacy. Am I going to be able to do this? 
Next week, I'm going to talk about the fear of change. Am I ever going to be the same? And if God approaches you and you let God into your life, I can answer that. No. You're never going to be the same. But it's a good change. Third, the fear of public opinion. Big one. What are people going to say if I let God have his way in my life? I am so afraid of public opinion. Mary had to overcome that because she was about to start showing she was going to become great with child and not married. And can you imagine, how am I going to tell people this was God's doing? Uh-huh. Sure. So she had to deal with what are people going to say. And so do all of you and so do I. Now let me take today the fear of inadequacy. Am I going to be able to do this? Now I want you to notice what Mary says. She said, how, after the angel told her this, you're going to conceive. The power of the Spirit is going to overshadow you, and you are going to conceive. Her first words were understandable. How? How will this be? Uh, the Message Bible puts it this way. But how? But how? And just so that we can understand each other before I go into this, what does inadequacy mean? It means two things. Webster says that inadequacy means not enough or not good enough. I don't have enough for this to happen. I am short of, of what I need for this to take place or I'm not worthy for this to take place. I'm not valuable enough. Who am I that this should be done in my life now, have you noticed that when God tells you something He's going to do in your life, that there, it's always followed by, usually it has with me anyway, with a, but how? How is this ever going to happen? Lord, you've got to be kidding me. So one of the first emotions that shoots through you and I when God comes to us and says, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to deliver you. You're going to have this ministry. You're going to have this job. You're going to do this particular thing. This is my will for you. You're going to go to college. You're going to make the grade. You're going to achieve this or that. And it's so extraordinary. We say to God, but how? And we're filled with feelings of inadequacy. Immediately, we don't see how it's going to happen. Like when the disciples were told, when they were, had a crowd of 5,000 in front of them, Jesus said, feed them all. But, Lord, we only have five loaves and two fishes. How in the world can we feed all these people with five loaves and two fishes? What were they saying? We are inadequate. We don't have what we need. But here's what you're going to learn by the time I'm done today. You give God what you have, and he becomes your adequacy. You give God what you have, and he will take what you have and give you what you don't have. See, God is a God who pulls in the slack. God is a God who makes up the difference. God is a God who takes you further than you could ever go, higher than you could ever fly, deeper than you could ever plummet. God takes you into arenas you could never achieve apart from Him. So, if you've only got five loaves and two fishes, just give Him what you have, and He becomes your adequacy. How in the world am I going to pull this off, we say? I don't feel capable or able to do this, Lord. No wonder Paul the Apostle, when he was faced with ministry, said, who is sufficient for these things? I mean, how often 
Do we feel that emotion rush into our mind? Lord, I don't feel sufficient for this marriage, sufficient for this ministry, sufficient for this job. Who is sufficient for these things? I feel inadequate. Feelings of inferiority grip us, of incompetence, of unworthiness. And it cripples us. It cripples, it cripples our ability. And this is why I'm preaching on this. Because feelings of inadequacy can cause you to pull back when God wants you to step forward. Feelings of inadequacy can cause you to quit when you're not ever supposed to quit. How in the world can you quit when the living God is inside of you? When the one who said it is finished is your Lord? When the greatest finisher on planet earth in the history of the world lives inside of you? How can you quit when he is your sufficiency? How can you walk away when he's going to make it happen himself? How can you say I can't when he can? But still these feelings hit us and I got to tell you when God first began to move on me, you know, when I came to the Lord, I had never finished ninth through 12th grade. Now, don't let that bother you because I did go to college. I made up for it. But when I came to the Lord, I had not been through 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. I was so messed up in the drug world that I did not finish high school, didn't even start high school. And here I was, I heard the message of Jesus, and I got saved in juvenile home. And then after I got out of juvenile home, I found a place where some young people that were like me began to meet. Some young people like me began to come together and play guitars and just sing and worship the Lord. And I walked in and I saw these young people just like me with the long hair and the wire rim glasses and bell-bottom blue jeans and all of this. And they were sitting there with tears running down their face. And God had touched their life. And I learned to worship God. You know, I have found when you get your hands up in the air and you worship God, it's like a lightning rod. Some of you guys need to get out of half-mast and go all the way up. You say, well, it's not macho. Hey, real men will praise the Lord. David was a real man. And I'm going to talk to you guys about something. Listen, your, your kids need to see you praising God. You need to praise God. Let me talk to the men in here. I'm glad for a church full of good men, full of strong men. But men, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing sissy about praising the Lord. David was a man's man, but he danced before the Lord with all his might. He was a praiser head to toe. He worshiped God without inhibition and without intimidation. He didn't care what anybody thought. So guys, go from here up to here, you get up here, you're liable to be zapped by the Holy Ghost, and you need it. What do you mean zapped by the Holy Ghost? That sounds weird. Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. I'm in there. I'm watching these young people worship God. Week after week, I went in there and saw this, and I thought it was not cool. It was not macho. It was kind of sissy to praise the Lord, and then one day, I prayed a dangerous prayer. You know, there are prayers you can pray that are dangerous. And here's what it was. Lord, if you'll give me what they have, I will serve you all the days of my life. Uh-oh, I could feel God say, say that one more time. <laughs> Lord, if you will give me what they have, I will serve you all the days of my life. And that night, I lifted my hands and began to worship the Lord. And it was like all of a sudden waves of liquid love poured out on my head, on my heart, on my life. I was so overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I had to break away from the group. I had to go outside. And I had a moment with God in the front yard of some house in South Dallas. It was not a church. It was just a house. But God found me, laid his hand on me, and he touched me, filled me with his spirit. And you say... Well, now you're sounding kind of Pentecostal. I'm as Pentecostal as is the Word of God. You think, hey, give us Pentecost at any cost. The problem with the church is we don't have the Holy Spirit like we need the Holy Spirit. The reason some of you men are defeated because you're not worshiping the Lord and you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to touch you the way He wants to. I'm telling you, sir, I'm telling you, as a man to a man, you need the Holy Ghost to touch your life. You need Him to fill your heart. You need Him to shake, rattle, and roll the things that are inside of you. You need for Him to take some things out and put some things in. You need Him to turn you right side up, and the Holy Spirit is what does it. I'm I'm afraid if that happens, I'm going to become like one of those. You need to be like one of those. Shake off the sophistication. Shake off the shackles of fear of what people think. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next time. So, Pastor, you came loaded today. No, I came filled. And, and, And I want you filled. Because the feelings of inadequacy are not of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to say, I, I, I can't do this on my own, and then let him do it. It's another thing when you say, I can't do this, and you back away, and you don't let God have his way in your life, and you miss his destiny for you. I don't want you to be filled with feelings of inadequacy that cripple you. So I found that God came upon my life, and even though I was, felt so inadequate to minister the word of God, because that's what began to happen to me. See, I... Worship is a dangerous thing as well because you worship God very much. He's going to start talking to you. He's going to start dealing with your heart. And he's going to start moving on you. It doesn't matter how old you are, what color you are, how much money you make, what your pedigree is. Listen, you lift your hand. You begin to worship the Lord. You draw into his presence. He's got some things he wants to say to you about your life and about what he has for you. And that's what happened to me. And he began to move on me to preach, me of all people, no high school, to preach. Then he told me to go to college. You know what I said? But how? First couple of years in college, I was just playing catch-up the whole time. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I used to walk out in the parking lot and get in my car and just pray, Lord, help me. I felt so inadequate, but God helped me to do it. And the first time I ever ministered the Word of God, I wouldn't want a recording of it. I wouldn't want a recording of it. But you know what happened? Many, many people came forward to receive Jesus Christ, and I saw that it's not my talent, not my ability. It's not, it's not my adequacy. It's His adequacy, and that's what God wants us to know today. The great Bible heroes were no different. Moses was overwhelmed with feelings of inadequacy. When God called him to deliver Israel from Egypt, listen to what he said. Who am I? Uh, Who am I, Lord? You got the wrong guy that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. You've tapped the shoulder of the wrong person. Inadequate. Abraham felt completely inadequate when God again promised him a son at the age of 99, and Sarah was 89. And God told them again, you're going to have a son. 
And the Bible says Abraham fell on his face, flat on his face, and laughed, thinking, can a hundred-year-old man, father, a son, can Sarah of 90 years have a baby? That statement reeks of feelings of inadequacy. Gideon experienced crippling feelings of inadequacy. When God called him to deliver Israel from the Midianites, he said, how and with what could I? Now listen to what he said. How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me, he said. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. The Message Bible. Look at me. What are you doing, Lord? I'm inadequate. I don't have the stuff. I don't have the right stuff. I don't have what it takes. And Mary felt exactly the same way. She was understandably overwhelmed when God said to her, you have been chosen. Little teenage Jewish girl, you have been chosen. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And that holy thing that is conceived in you will be the Son of God as a virgin. But how? How? How can this ever happen? How will it ever be? This is above my pay grade. I don't get it. And you've probably felt the same way this very week. You have felt inadequate this week. You've said something like, how? How am I going to pay the bills? What am I going to do with these rebellious kids? How is this marriage ever going to work? How will I ever kick this habit that I know God wants out of my life. How can I keep going when I feel so tired, Lord? How will I ever obey God in this particular matter? How, how will it ever happen? I don't have it. Well, let me look at what God did with these people and with Mary and with me. First of all, they had to fix a wrong focus. Their eyes were on themselves. Oh, they were so focused on themselves. And so was Simon Peter when he was walking on the water. As long as he looked at Jesus, he walked. But as soon as he looked at the winds and the waves and at himself walking, he sank. Their eyes were focused on themselves. It's so easy to do. Every person in the Bible that suffered from inadequacy, the ones I've named to you and me and you, did so because their eyes were on themselves and on their own limitations. I don't have it. Or I'm not worthy of this. Moses said, listen to his words. Who am I? Listen to the eyes. Who am I that I should go? That I should deliver? I, I, I. Who am I? His eyes were on himself. Abraham looked at himself, looked at his old body and Sarah's old body and said, can a hundred-year-old man father a son? He was looking at himself. Gideon said, Look at me. He said to God, look at me. Look at me. God was saying to him, no, no, you look at me. But he was saying, no, you look at me, God. I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the runt of the litter. I can't do it. You need to go find somebody stronger with more charisma, with more brains, with more ability than me. I'm just the runt of the litter. Now, this is the root of all feelings of inadequacy, and everybody in here has them. We focus on what we don't have, what we can't do, what we lack, the abilities we don't possess, and we stop right there. And if we don't go from there, we sell God short, and we don't fulfill His call. Let me give you a little secret. Here's a news flash for you. If you could pull it off, 
God wouldn't be needed. Isn't that right? If you could do it, then why is God even telling you to do something? If you could pull it off, why in the world is God even needed? No, God will give you something bigger than you, stronger than you, greater than you, higher than you, wider than you, deeper than you, more fantastic than you, so that when it gets done, you can't take the credit. Only God can. If God tells you to do it, then I guarantee you without His help, you won't be able to do it. So thank God for inadequacy. As a matter of fact, can I tell you a little secret today about God? He intentionally, on purpose, chooses inadequate people so that the glory will go to God and not to you. See, God wants to do a miracle in your life. God wants you. That's why it says He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light that you should show forth to a skeptical world the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. God wants something about you that can't be explained apart from Him. He want, You know what a wonder is? A wonder is what makes somebody wonder. He wants your family to wonder what happened to you. He wants your coworkers to wonder what happened to you. He wants the skeptical world to wonder how in the world you've got joy in the middle of a storm, how you've got peace in the middle of turmoil, how you are able to keep on going when they know they couldn't keep on going unless they drank something, smoked something, snorted something, or shot something up. He wants them to see something that others don't have. You are the only Jesus some people are ever going to see. And so they've got to look at your life and say, well, that's something I can't explain. I know they couldn't have done that, and I know that others couldn't have done it for them. That is supernatural. So that you can say, let me give God the glory. He's the one that set me free. He's the one that did this for me. Listen to what Paul said. He said, he said brothers, think of what you were when you were called. That means when you were saved. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. You weren't a who's who. You were just out there in sin, in darkness, and suddenly the Holy Spirit touched your life and you got saved and you became a believer and He take, took you out of darkness into light. And you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You became a new creation. How did it happen? Not by might and not by power and not by the will of men, but it happened by the moving of God's Spirit. There you were, and He saved you. Now look what He says. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things of this world and the things that are of no count to bring to nothing the things that are so that no one may boast before Him and say, I did this. Were you a nobody? God chose you. Were you a, 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 a have-not? God chose you. Were you a no-count? Yes, you were. I was a no-count. And yet God saved me. And what did He do? 
filled me with his spirit, stood me up, told me to preach to people. Why? Not because it was not a career choice I would have ever made, but so God can get the glory. Because I tell you, Jeff Wickwire would not be standing up in front of you today preaching the word of God were it not for the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. God intentionally chooses no counts. Let's just say together, I'm a no count. Hello, all you no counts, from one no count to another. Now, that's not devaluing you. That's just saying, who would have ever thunk it? Look at you in church on Sunday morning, lifting your hands to the Lord, worshiping Him. Who would have ever thought it? You're not drinking it anymore, smoking it anymore. Who would have ever thought it? You carry a Bible with you everywhere you go. Who would have ever thought it? You get up in the morning and you seek your maker. Who would have ever thought it? God did. So God intentionally chooses inadequate people with limited resources so that he can show his glory through them and no flesh can get the credit. Amen. Now here's the second key to overcoming inadequacy. They learned, these people, all of them, and myself, as every day goes by, they learned to lean on the power of God. There's an old song, and I love it. I'm not going to sing it because it sounds terrible going over radio. But I'm going to quote it to you. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. When I do that, finding more power than I've ever dreamed. Learning to lean on Jesus. When Mary asked the question, But how? How is this going to happen? Here's where the angel responded. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Oh, folks, if I could somehow relay to you the exceeding value of that gift of the Holy Spirit on your life, what he does inside of you every day, that you are continually the handiwork of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. He strengthens you. He guides you. He convicts you of sin. He warns you of danger. He is ever-present, walking right next to you and right within you. He is there, that wonder, but is also He empowers you to reach where you could never have reached before. He said, here's the answer, Mary. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. It's going to get done by the power of the Holy Spirit. How are we going to reach this world? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How's your marriage going to be healed? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How's your sick body going to get up again? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to keep going when you don't have any more strength? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to stand up again once you've been defeated? By the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He is your strength. He is your power. Come on, church. Oh, if we only knew the power of that Spirit, it was the power of that Spirit moving on my life that stood me on my feet and put such a fire in my heart for the Word that I could not hold it in. And I can't do it today either. I've got to preach because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I preach right now, I'm not alone. The power of the Holy Spirit is touching you. 
See, a, a, good, a good positive thinking person says, I can do everything I want. I can do it. I can do it. That's not the truth. You have a wall and you're going to hit it if all you've got is you. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and infuses me with inner strength. And how does he do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, a handful of frightened disciples hiding behind closed doors who had even denied the Lord Jesus Christ, denied ever even knowing him. These were simple blue-collar fishermen and carpenters, nobodies, no counts by this world's standards. But there they stood, and suddenly there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were. And cloven tongues as of fire sat upon each of their heads. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And that touch of the Holy Spirit turned simple, blue-collar, working-class people into mighty forces for God. They were immediately transformed into earth-shaking, devil-rebuking, fire-breathing preachers. And I'm telling you, that's what the church has got to have again. Right now, the forces of darkness are sweeping over this country like I have never seen it before. But I've got good news for you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord's Spirit raises up a standard against him. And it's going to come upon the people of God. And I'm going to tell you, get ready. If you're available to the Lord, he's going to touch you with his spirit. We don't need more uh, uh, education. Now there's anything wrong with it. We don't need bigger buildings. What we do need is a big bunch of people who are filled with the power of God and will not not compromise and will not give up and will not back down. The angel was telling Mary, yes, it's impossible to you and you are indeed inadequate, Mary, but where your ability ends, God's ability begins. And it's that way with you right now, church. Oh, I, if I could, I would just preach you right into it right now. Some of you who are half-baked, half-dry, lukewarm. You don't know which way you're going. You don't know what God's doing. If I could preach it on you, if I had a big picture and could just come pour it on your head, I would. But I can tell you the truth that if you'll ask God, Jesus said in the book of Luke, He said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, He will give it to you. I can't pour it out, but my Lord can. Say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. Well, you need more. You need so much Holy Spirit that everywhere you go, you're talking about the Word of God. You're lifting up Jesus, bragging on Him. You need so much of the Holy Spirit that they got to get you out of the house because you won't quit talking about it. You need so much of the Holy Spirit that, hey, everywhere you go, revival follows you. Everywhere you go, you've got so much of the Holy Spirit on your life. You know what amazes me is that Paul went even a step further than this. And he said, I can actually get excited about my limitations. I don't know very many people that look at a limitation they've got and they say, boy, that's exciting. <laughs> Do you? I don't know any. But listen, when Paul was afflicted with his thorn in the flesh, he cried out to God for deliverance three times. He told the Corinthian church, quote, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away from me, this thorn in the flesh, this thing that was just driving me bananas. 
He said, I begged the Lord. That word beg comes from a Greek word that's very, very strong. The same word is found in Mark 5, 23, where Jesus was approached by a father who had a girl, little girl, who was dying. And he said, he said to the Lord, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her that she may be made healthy and live. And it says he begged Jesus much. Same word as when Paul begged, take it off of me. He wanted to be delivered to this thorn as bad as a dad wanted his dying girl healed. Now, I've preached this before. I have preached, well, when you pray, God's going to answer in one of three ways. Yes, no, wait. He'll either say, yep, you got it, or no, not going to give it to you, or wait, and it'll come later. But I've realized there's a fourth answer. And the fourth answer is the one Paul got. You know what it was? My grace is all you need. That means I'm not going to take it from you, but I'm also not going to let you live in misery without help. But I'm going to grace you in the middle of it. And that grace is going to be sufficient for everything you need. See, some of you said, well, God's not answering my prayer because I haven't gotten a yes or a no or a wait. All I'm doing is keeping on keeping on. That's grace. Sometimes he says, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pick you up by amazing, crazy grace, and I'm going to carry you by my grace. Every day that you wake up, you're going to learn to lean on me, on my grace that enables you to do the will of God. I'm going to strengthen you when you need it. I'm going to provide for you when you ask for it. You're not going to have more than you need, but you're sure going to have all that you need. I'm going to carry you by my grace. My grace is all you need, and here's why, because my power works best in your weakness. My power works best in your inadequacy. Lord, I'm not adequate for this. Good. Here comes my grace. And your inadequacy and my grace are going to equal enough. I love Paul. I call Paul the attitude king, the king of the kind of attitude we all need. And here's what he said. When I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on my handicap, and I began appreciating the gift of God's grace. I quit focusing on my handicap. What's your handicap? What's your handicap? You say, I'm not smart enough, not pretty enough, not handsome enough, not gifted enough, not talented enough, don't have enough, don't have enough education, not enough this, not enough that. That's your handicap. Now, A normal person is handicapped by a handicap. But a believer is not handicapped by a handicap. A believer receives grace in the midst of the handicap, and the grace picks you up, stands you on your feet. God pulls in the slack, makes up the difference, and with your handicap, you and Jesus are enough. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, here's the amazing attitude king. He says, now I take limitations. I take my inadequacies in stride and with good cheer. Oh, praise the Lord. I got this handicap. Would you look at this? I'm limping down the road. Got a handicap. Hallelujah. 
So what's the matter with you, son? Don't you know you've got a handicap? Yeah. Well, then he's just your crutch. Yeah, and what's yours? You're either snorting it, smoking it, drinking it. Something is your crutch. I'm willing to admit I got a handicap and I need some help. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. So he listen to what he says. These limitations, these inadequacies that cut me down to size, he names a few. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. When life isn't fair, when life fails me, sells me short, lets me down, when people betray me, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. If I'm lost out there, I can't say that. The weaker I get, the weaker I get. If I'm out there without Jesus, I can't say that. If I've got a bunch of handicaps, they take me down. But when you're a believer, God says, oh, you're feeling weak? There's my grace. So that when you break the finish line, it was amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. It saved me. It carried me. It took me to the finish. It's going to carry me into glory at the end. Amazing grace. The weaker I get, the stronger I become. So, when you're feeling inadequate, get your eye off yourself. Don't say, look what I don't have. Learn to lean on His power. His Spirit is within you to help you. And then, even get excited about your handicaps. Because that means God's going to step in and make up the difference. One of the most amazing people I think on the earth today is Joni Erickson. Jumped off of a diving board when she was a teenage girl, highly athletic, hit the bottom, broke her neck. Became an instant paraplegic, or actually quadriplegic. Can't move anything but her head. But all of her life, she has given the glory to God and learned to paint with her teeth. Beautiful pictures. And she'll tell you today, in my great handicap, His grace has been sufficient for me. So you have no excuse when it comes to inadequacy. I'll say with Nike, get up and just do it in the grace of God. Can we stand up together today? <clears throat> when the angel got ready to leave, Mary said, what I want us to say together today, we did this in the first service, and I'll say it again. She voiced her inadequacy. He said the Holy Spirit's going to do it. And here's what she said, be it unto me according to your word. What a statement of faith from a little teenage Jewish girl. Be it unto me, Lord. Now, what I want you to do with your handicaps, with your inadequacies, I want you to say, Lord, I'm not looking at myself. I'm looking at you. I'm learning to lean. And I accept the grace of God to make up the difference with my inadequacies. And I can do everything that he wants me to do. Through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Can you say it with me? How many of you in here today can say, Pastor Jeff, 
I sure have been dealing with some inadequacies and I've been looking up and saying, Lord, how? Lord, how? How will this happen? Can you raise your hand? Many, many people here today. How will this happen? How will it ever be? All right. I want you to say this with me, all of you that raised your hand and the rest of you. Let's say it together. Lord, be it unto me according to your word. I allow you to make up the difference with my handicaps. Lord, in Jesus' name, I know you will do it. Now give him, give him what it is you're feeling inadequate about. I want you to picture those nail-scarred hands. Put it in his nail-scarred hands. What looks like an impossible mountain, put it in the nail-scarred hands. You see them? And now they're folding over what you gave him. But there's a string attached. The string comes from his hand all the way back to yours. It's like a kite string. You see it? Now I want you to imagine you've got some scissors. I want you to cut the string. And I want you to leave it in his hands. Leave it there. Now say with me, Lord, it's yours. And your grace is mine. Now give him a hand of praise, can you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, I think Kathy has a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to...